Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. I'm sure you've probably run into some people before, and uh, I know that there's a lot of people who search for medical explanations for many things in life, but there's some people you may have come across before and you just go, wow, that doesn't seem like a medical problem. And while it's true that there are a lot of chemical imbalances and things that happen to people, not everything is a medical issue. And in the case of Saul, he was being terrorized by this spirit. Now, of course, the question that comes to mind for all of us is, if indeed the spirit uh, harming or terrorizing or, or doing whatever it was doing to Saul was from God, the next logical question is, why? Why, Lord, would you allow a spirit to harass this man in this way? What was your purpose behind this? And I can only conjecture. I can tell you this, that it had to be disciplinary. Uh, Discipline, uh, when it comes into the life of somebody, it's not only a spanking just to spank somebody, right? What's the root idea of discipline? It's a shaping idea. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul talked about something that had happened to him? If you go, go go all the way over there, 2 Corinthians 12, I'll show you a case study where something is allowed to happen, in Paul's case, for strengthening purposes. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, look with me at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul writes, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He repeats the reason, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, if you study the Bible for any time at all, you know there's all kinds of conjecture on what the thorn was. Some, Probably the majority of scholars say it was a physical malady there's evidence that Paul had bad eyesight. There's uh, uh, some other uh, conjecture in terms of what physical ailment it may have been. Even I've re- even heard malaria and that kind of thing. But what you notice in the text, <clears throat> Paul says, it was a messenger of who? It's interesting here. The word messenger in Greek is angelos, where we get the word angel. Now, I don't know for sure if the messenger was an angel of Satan or some sort of demonic influence, but the language taken at face value is angelos for angel or messenger. That's why it's translated that way in your Bible. And Paul says that he came to buffet me. Sometimes I'm at the pulpit. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And there's a fly buzzing around my head. It's happened on several Sundays. 
It only seems to be right here at the pulpit. And sometimes I've said it out loud. This is a messenger of Satan come to buffet me. That's a joke. It's just a fly. (laughs) But, But here's the point. Paul said... God had allowed this because in verse 8, he entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from him. I, I want whatever this thing is, if it is correct to say it is some sort of presence or something that bothered Paul, he entreated the Lord three times that it might, notice, depart from him or from me. And the Lord's response was, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness, or my power is perfected in weakness. And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Could it be that part of the reason that God allowed this to occur was so that Saul might be humbled and learn to truly rely upon God. I'm not going to be dogmatic on it, but I would say that since God is good and he always has a reason behind what he does, I believe that this is a a good possibility. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. So what happens is the people in the king's court recognize that something bad's happening to Saul, 1 Samuel 16. I don't know exactly how it manifested itself at all times, but I'll show you some things that happened later. But Saul's servants said, uh, then said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. How do they know that? I don't know for sure. But they recognized that something had happened, something had changed in Saul. We saw the change in 1 Samuel 10 when he was changed into another man and he was prophesying with other prophets and he was part of that that group that had musical instruments and all that stuff and he had become a different man. And now they noticed that something else was happening in him and uh, there was an evil spirit and uh, they said, "It's, it's clear that something's happening to you. The focus of the language seems to be the effect rather than evil spirit per se. One writer says, so the rendering would be something like this, the spirit which brings forth disaster. And if one can see this as sort of a foretaste of hell, perhaps it is both educational and motivational. (laughs) In other words, maybe God allowed something to happen in Saul's life for the time being to wake him up and give him a foretaste. For example, if somebody needs a wake-up call, wouldn't it be better that God allowed something to happen in their life to shake them up than them be in eternal torment? I think so. And so uh, Saul was being harassed. Several suggestions straight from uh, New King James Nelson uh, Study Bible. What happened to Saul? One, demon possession is divine punishment. Two, demon attack or influence. Three, an evil messenger like the one uh, sent to attack Ahab. We'll go back to that. Four, or a spirit of discontentment created by God in Saul's heart. Whatever it was, it was immediately noticed by Saul's servants. 
And there is not just a behavioral or emotional issue. The problem must be viewed theologically. So the Bible is clear. Saul's not just having a bummer day. He's not just having a depressed couple of weeks. There's a theological reason behind what has occurred, and it is specifically from God. What I will say from what I see here is I don't think that Saul is possessed, but I think he is oppressed. I think he's being harassed from the outside more than anything else, but it is having an effect on his life. And uh, of course, you know, the thief has come only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so uh, I want you to turn now to 1 Kings. So go to your right, First and Second Samuel, 1 Kings. Go to chapter 22. And uh, the whole context of the chapter is pretty amazing, but for the sake of time, 1 Kings 22. Let's look at verse 19. This is a pretty unpopular prophet in the eyes of the king. 1 Kings 22, 19. And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Now, all the prophets were telling Ahab what he wanted to hear. He was asking, should we go to battle? He was with a couple other kings, and they, the prophets were all saying, yeah, the Lord's given you, the, you're going to win. Yeah, the Lord's given you favor. And the question was asked, is there anybody around here, is there any prophet that speaks the word of the Lord? So they called for Micaiah, and apparently his reputation was uh, he never told the king what he wanted to hear. He always told him the truth, which is usually what, not what people want to hear. Have you noticed? Truth is kind of out of fashion these days. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, verse 19, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, would you notice, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said this while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, how? He said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. And the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. Now, Before you get too nervous about this one, I want you to remember who Ahab was. He was married to a woman named Jezebel. He did a lot of bad things. Couldn't get a piece of land, ended up killing that guy because his wife talked him into it. He put idols up everywhere in the land. He rejected the truth of God's word. He dragged the whole nation into idolatry. And God warned him, and God warned him, and God warned him, and God warned him. And finally, God said, you're done. And the way that I'm going to get you done is I'm going to convince you that you ought to go to war when you shouldn't. And when you go to Ramoth-Gilead, you're toast. You see, God runs the universe, right? He often used invading armies in the life of Israel when they were disobedient to him and he allowed 
judgment to come. I know it's not necessarily the popular view of God, but if you are going to take the Bible seriously, God does judge. He will use invading armies. He will use evil spirits. He will use whatever he decides to use to get his will done. And uh, it happened. Judges 9.22-24 through 24 says, Now Abimelech ruled over Israel three years, and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacher- treacherously with Abimelech in order that the violence done to the 70 sons of Jerubal might come and their blood might be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. Have you ever wondered, well, if vengeance belongs to the Lord and not all vengeance is carried out just the other side of the veil when people die, how does God carry it out? He uses everything at his uh, discretion, which is the entire universe. Humans, angelic realm, everything belongs to him. And so in the case of Judges 9, 22 through 24, Abimelech was going to be judged by God and God used an evil spirit or a spirit that stirred them up to cause a problem and ultimately lead to judgment. Oh, I know it's hard. But here's what occurred. 1 Samuel 16. Why did the Lord send this spirit? Disciplinary reasons, I think, is the best basic answer in Saul's life. So what is the suggestion of these servants? Well, they see the problems that Saul is having, and so they say, let our Lord, 1 Samuel 16, 16, now command your servants who are before you, let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp. The harp and the lyre are very close in the Bible in terms of musical instruments. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well, NIV says, you will feel better. What's the antidote to the problem that Saul has? It is worship. It is music. Now in the ancient world, there was a theory that music could dispel grief and you know if you're feeling down and so forth so there was a little bit of that philosophy there and of course you know everybody knows the power of music right the right kind of music can be quite therapeutic Uh, it doesn't necessarily even have to be praise music it could be nice pleasant music and it can do something for you humanly speaking but for the christian praise music is a huge part of the battle. In fact, I would tell you that if you are not someone who regularly praises God, you are missing a big part of how God strengthens you. And so, you know, I know uh, some people are more comfortable than others with uh, worship and so forth, but in Psalm 22, which David wrote, He writes these words. I tell you what, turn to the Psalms. We're going to go there for a second. I want to show you some things about music, the power of music, specifically praise.
praise music. Look at Psalm 22. How many of you read the Psalms regularly? You just raise up your hand. All right, that's awesome. The Psalms literally mean songs, and they are set to music. Psalm 22 is a famous messianic psalm. It's written by David. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 22. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a psalm of David. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. O my God, I cry by day, but thou dost not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet thou art holy, Psalm 22, 3. O thou who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Some of you remember this verse as, you inhabit the praises of your people. Can I say this to you? Here's, here's an application. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you and do this with gentleness and respect. How in the world does a New Testament Christian enthrone Christ as Lord in your heart when he already lives in you? One way is by worship. Because God is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. He's never left his throne, nor will he ever leave it. But he becomes enthroned for the nation or the individual in life when you begin to sing his praises. You re-enthrone him as your king. Are you with me? You decide I'm going to praise him because he's worthy of my praise. And when you do, you re-enthrone him, if you will, on your heart. And you are now strengthened to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Do you agree? Amen. You see, this is, there's something that happens to us in worship. And Psalm 6, if you go there, I want to just show you in rapid fire. And I'm going to move quickly because... We're going to run short on time. But here's how the Psalms work. Psalm 6, look at the heading. Before you read verse 1, it says, For the choir director with stringed instruments upon an eight-stringed lyre. The lyre and the harp are very close. One was bigger than the other. They ranged from about three strings to ten strings, maybe even twelve. A Psalm of David, O Lord, do not rebuke me in thine anger, nor chasten me in thy wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord. I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. Sounds like a country song, doesn't it? <laughs> Psalm, 12. Psalm 12, verse 1. Psalm 12, verse 1. Read the heading. For the choir director upon an eight-stringed lyre. Something like a guitar. A psalm of David. If you run into someone who says, instruments are humbug, bah, humbug, non-instrumental is the way to go, that's hooey. Israel worship with instruments. Guitars are from God. Of course, you want to play them for the glory of God. But you know what I'm saying. For the choir director upon an eight-string lyre, a psalm of David, help, Lord. <laughs> Don't you love how honest these songs are? For the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. Go to Psalm 33. I'm going to move quick. Psalm 33, look at verse 1. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play 
Note it, skillfully with a shout of joy. There's no way that David's playing would have been therapeutic if he wasn't good. (laughs) Saul would have been more terrorized. And all God's people said, we appreciate a good musician, do we not? I mean, I'm all for the kid getting violin lessons, but I would prefer to be out of the house because the... It's not pleasant. In fact, I think I'm being terrorized by a demonic spirit sometimes. (laughs) Psalm 43, verse 3. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. 43, 3. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to thy holy hill and to thy dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. 43, 4. Upon the lyre, I shall praise thee, O my God, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Have you noticed you get into a praise service, sometimes you walk in like, I don't know if I can be a Christian anymore. And then the hallelujahs start to go up and all of a sudden my hands go from down here to woo. I'm renewed. In corporate worship, when you guys were singing tonight, man, I go from joy to tears up and down. Then my, song, my son singing a song he wrote to God. <sighs> man, you could lift me up to heaven right there. Psalm 47, verse 5. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Trumpet players said, Amen. Sing praises to God, 47, 6. Sing praises, sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. I could give you a ton of them. If you want my notes, I'll give them to you. But I just want to go to two more. Psalm 108. (laughs) Psalm 108. I wanted to say like five, but... Verse one. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing. I will sing praises even with my soul. Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the, awaken the dawn. This, this is uh, evidence that a musician can play early. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to thee among the nations, for thy loving kindness is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches to the skies. Wow. And then go to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty expanse. Don't you get the feeling that sometimes the psalmist is trying to convince himself to start singing or somebody else? Because he says it over and over again, praise him, praise him, praise him. Well, it feels like you're, sometimes you got to be in one of those, uh, uh, do you guys love the gospel music? And they're, praise him, praise him, praise him. <laughs> yeah. Get excited, it's all right. People do more for their favorite football team. 
Psalm 150, verse 2. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. And all the drummers said, Amen. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. For a lot of us, when we say, we hear, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask the question, well, what exactly does that look like? How do you put on God? Well, I've written about this in a book that I'd like to recommend to you. Not because I'm trying to push a book per se, but I wrote the book as a devotional book on the armor of God to help people understand what the concepts are. You know, putting on the armor of God is a metaphor. It's not real physical armor, but it it signifies something else. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put on the armor of God, to be filled with the Spirit are all different ways of saying to be empowered by the power of Almighty God. This is what we need for every single battle that we face, whether we're going to have to be bold in certain situations, battle in prayer, deal with a temptation. You know, when I wrote the book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, one of the primary things that came out in that book is that the armor of God is given to us to to deal with temptation. And uh, I know we all deal with it. To be tempted is not a sin, but to give in to temptation is a sin. And we don't even want to put ourselves, you know, sometimes we put ourselves in positions of temptation unnecessarily. But this book, I think, will be really helpful for you. And I want to I want to encourage you to get a copy of the book. Here's how you can do that. The book is available on Amazon. If you search my name, Pastor Michael Lance, or a combination of suit up, putting on the full armor of God, you get to the book. I, I believe the book is $12.40 on Amazon. And um, you can get yourself a copy of that book. And I would tell you, it's, it's probably just a little over 100 pages, but it's well worth your time. It doesn't replace your Bible, of course not. But it is a great supplement. It's something that you're going you're to want to go back to time and again. If you'd like to request the book through our ministry, you'd like to give an offering and say, you know, when you give to the, the ministry, here's how you can do it. Go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. Make sure you indicate radio ministry there. You can do that through a PayPal account. That will help keep us on the air. Or if you want to do everything through snail mail, you can do that too. Living Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God as your arsenal. 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. That's Living Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.